But we're going to start a new series uh, today at Richmond. Uh, Nate has chosen uh, to start a series on on core, some of the things that are core to him uh, in his ministry. And of course, he wants to start by looking at the person of Jesus, which I think is an excellent place to start. So we're going to have a look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20 this morning. A beautiful passage in Colossians. So Colossians 1, starting at verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Thanks, Nathan. So where to begin? Where to start? You can imagine that that's a question that I've been wrestling with for a few weeks now, is uh, where do you begin in terms of sharing the things that I think are the most important, the things that I think this next season is about for us uh, as a church, uh, the things that I think we need to focus on the most. And so you'll be pleased to know I've condensed it down to in, into a short 90-minute lecture. Uh, not really, so... But this is a question that I've been uh, wrestling with and I wonder whether it's the same question that you often wonder too, if someone comes and says, what's most important to you? If someone comes and says to you, why are you involved in a church? Or why do you believe in Jesus? Or what is it that you believe? Or if you have a spiritual conversation, I wonder whether you ever feel some of those same things that I'm feeling this morning, the sense of wanting to make a good first impression. A sense of hoping that you can say some things that mean that people will come back and want to kind of talk more. Now, I have a high expectation that many of you are going to come back and hear more that I've got to say. But when we're having conversations with people who are our neighbours or our friends or people at work or school or uni, there is that sense of being able to, what do I say so that we can make sure these conversations continue on? So for me, uh, this is what I thought would be helpful, is to take the next few weeks as I begin my time here to talk about what I think are some of the essentials and the things that we build everything else out from. And so I've called this series Core uh, because I think this is the core foundational things that are most important to me, but I also sense that these are the core foundational things that are true for us as a church as well. And so today we are going to begin where I think that all things need to start, which is with Jesus, shockingly. I know. So if you uh, have a journal or a notebook and you want to jot some notes down, that's great. If you have the Bible app on your phone, uh, then you can also take notes. So our message outline is on the Bible app. So surprise. So if you've got the Bible app there, you can open that up. And then if you go to the bottom right corner where it says events, uh, it says more, sorry, you can click on events. And uh, if you've got location services turned on, then it will automatically connect you to Richmond. Uh, But you can search for Richmond if you want to, and uh, that'll come up. If that takes you a little while to find, then just give up. Don't want you to be distracted. We can look into it. There's plenty of time to sort these things out. Uh, But if that's something that's helpful for you to be able to jot some notes down that way, then feel free to do that. 
I do want to mention that if you want to keep your notes, you do need to click on Save Event uh, because once this is over, uh, it will disappear. Uh, so make sure that you click on Save Event if you do want to keep your notes. So a little bit of background for this passage that we're looking at today. Uh, so it comes from Colossians, and uh, this is Paul, who's one of the key leaders in the early church, uh, who is writing to the church in this city called Colossae. And so I don't want to take anything for granted or make any assumptions. So uh, just a reminder about how the New Testament fits together, that it begins with the biographies about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, that tell the stories of who Jesus is, of his life, his death, his teaching and his resurrection. And so we learn about Jesus. Then we have the book of Acts, which is the development of the early church. And so we see these leaders who took Jesus' message to all of these different places to help them to discover the message of Jesus and to form these communities that were called churches of people who agreed that they wanted to centre themselves uh, on Jesus. And so Paul was a key leader in all of this, and he was one of the key guys who went and planted a lot of these churches. Now, interestingly, Paul, we believe, didn't actually go to Colossae at any point. Someone else went and took the message of Jesus to Colossae, uh, and, but Paul heard about it and stayed connected with them, and so he wrote them this letter. Our understanding is that he wrote this letter when he was in jail in Rome. Uh, Paul was causing a bit of a ruckus and kind of being a bit disruptive, and so he got thrown in jail. And so our understanding is that he wrote to the church in Colossae and the church in, uh, in Ephesus, so the book of Ephesians, at about the same time. And so that's why there's some similar themes that are there. When Paul wrote to these churches, he was always trying to address what was going on there. So he always wanted to try and encourage them, but also challenge them about ways in which they might be deviating from what was most important. And particularly for the church in Colossae, they were discovering that they were kind of getting a bit distracted with some of the things that were a part of the culture around them. They were embracing a whole bunch of the cultural norms, and they were holding on to some of their old belief systems. And they were just kind of sprinkling a little bit of Jesus on top. So it was kind of like everything that that I have already held on to with a bit of an add-on of Jesus. And so Paul in this letter is really challenging that to say, no, 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 it's all about Jesus. It begins with Jesus. Jesus is the most important thing and then everything else gets built out from there. So let's take a bit of time to unpack these verses. So verse 15, Paul writes, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So this is our starting point, is to recognise that Jesus shows us what God is like. At the end of the day, Jesus is the one who is the full representation of God. This word image, in other translations, words like likeness or the visual representation, the perfect reproduction. And so in Paul's time, that would have looked like maybe a statue or an image that was on a coin or was a visual representation. We would think of a portrait or probably most accurately a photo as a visual representation of something. And so Paul says that Jesus is that physical, visible, representation uh, of God. But we know that it goes further than that. It's not just an image, but Jesus is the full, complete, alive, in the flesh representation of God. Something I read this week said that Jesus is the window through which we see the nature and character of God, but also the mirror which shows our human potential. Jesus is the window through which we see the nature and character of God, but also the mirror which shows our human potential. 
So Jesus is this window that we can look through and we get a clear picture of what God is like. But Jesus is also this mirror that we can hold up to ourselves to say this is the best version of what humanity is. This is what God had in mind when he created us as humans was that we would be like Jesus. So if we ever wonder what God is like, we look at Jesus. If we ever wonder what God is most passionate about, we look at Jesus. If we wonder what's most important to God, we look at Jesus. And so this is a really, really important starting point for us because so many people who we connect with in our neighbourhoods and our workplaces and at school and at uni struggle in terms of what they believe that God is like. And you possibly have some similar experiences where your images of God kind of struggle with a little bit. And the sad reality is that lots of these perceptions that people have of what God is like are pictures that we in the church have painted of what God is like. And so I wonder whether you've ever felt like God is maybe a bit judgmental or that God is a vengeful God or that God is a really angry God or maybe that God's disinterested and kind of disengaged. He's kind of over there and I don't really know what God does whatsoever. Or maybe that God keeps a a scorecard, that God's watching all the time and we better make sure that the things that we do that are good outweigh the things that we do that are bad. So many of us have these pictures of what we believe that God is like. But if it's true that Jesus is the full visual image of God, the full representation of God, then a lot of what people have issues with just goes away instantly. Because I don't know whether you've had conversations with people about Jesus, how many people do you know have a problem with him? How many people do you know would say, oh, I don't know about that Jesus guy? If they've done any reading about who Jesus is, if they've read any of Jesus' teaching, most people are like, yeah, Jesus is pretty good. So most of those issues about God is like this go away when we start with Jesus. So Jesus has to be our starting point in everything that we do, and we have to work our way out from there. The lens that we look at, everything that's in the Old Testament is through Jesus. The lens in which we look at everything that's in the rest of the New Testament is through Jesus. We don't work the other way around. We don't take a passage from the Old Testament, for example, and then project that onto Jesus. We have to start with Jesus and work our way back out. And sometimes that's complicated. There are some passages in the Old Testament that I'm a little bit confused about, or I'm like, how does this fit with who Jesus is? But that's up to us to do that work and to wrestle with those things and to recognise Jesus is the full representation of God. So somehow there must be a way of us being able to navigate through that. Well, Paul doesn't just leave it there. He doubles down and keeps going. He says in the rest of verse 15, Jesus existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. This is staggering when you stop and think about it. Everything was created through Jesus and everything was created for Jesus. Everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus. Everything finds its purpose in Jesus. Jesus is the one who ultimately holds absolutely everything together. Something else I read this week said, Jesus is the heartbeat of the universe. 
which I think is very, very helpful, the heartbeat of the universe, the one who keeps everything alive, the one who keeps everything healthy, the one who provides the essence of what life is all about. Without Jesus, life has no meaning and life has no purpose. We're going to come back to that in a couple of minutes. Paul continues and he says in verse 18 that Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. I'm really grateful that this is not up for grabs here at Richmond. We all agree Jesus is the one who leads the church. That is something that's a given. We believe in King Jesus. He is the one who leads us. But this imagery that Paul uses of a head and a body is super helpful because when you think about the role that your head has to play with your body, what sorts of things come to mind? Our head is the one that creates all of our thoughts, creates all of our actions, creates all of our choices, and sub, uh, conscious and subconscious. So the fact that we can sit here and breathe is because of our head. The fact that our hearts are pumping blood around our body is because of our head. It's going on all the time. That's the same with Jesus. It's not up to us as a body to have to come up with our own ideas or to try and make things happen. At the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. It's not up to me. It's not up to our church leadership team. It's not up to our pastoral team. It's not up to any of us as leaders to be the ones who make things happen. Our role is to listen to Jesus as the head of our church and to follow what he asks us to do. We don't follow leaders in the church. We follow Jesus. Cannot say that strongly enough. We don't follow leaders in the church. We follow Jesus. Paul continues, and he says that Jesus is also the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. The message puts it this way. Jesus was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. Jesus is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything and everyone. So Jesus is not just first at the start, but Jesus is first from beginning all the way through to the end. He wasn't just first at creation, he's first all the way through. And Jesus is the first to rise from the dead, the first to experience eternal life. And I love that language of being the one who's leading the resurrection parade. Creates this awesome picture. I can just see Jesus at the front of this amazing parade where we're all behind him, shouting and dancing and singing in celebration. That We also get to experience this because of Jesus. Jesus has a unique position and a unique perspective because he was there at the beginning. He's the first one to rise from the dead and he's first all the way through. Now, it's really important for us to pause here and to recognise that all of that is really great. But it's also very easy to take everything we've looked at so far and see Jesus as somewhat intimidating. And we have to understand that for people who are new to exploring Jesus, that's true. Just think about some of the language that we've looked at. I don't know whether for you the word supreme leader creates any images in your mind. For me, there's a couple of cultures that that brings to mind and there's some challenges about the way in which supreme leaders operate. Even that language of towering far above everything and everyone conjures up some images that aren't necessarily the most helpful. Uh, so for me, it conjures up the image of Sauron from Lord of the Rings. Maybe that's because we started watching the new Lord of the Rings series, came out on Amazon Prime. Uh, but you think about that tower, that gigantic tower with the huge eye, towering far above everything and everyone. So we think about something evil like Sauron, or we think about something like the Avengers movies, 
and uh, we kind of have Thanos, this gigantic, bigger-than-life person who dominates over everything and everyone. We know how easily being number one and having power turns into dictatorship and abuse of power. Now, we know that if you look into it and if you read anything about Jesus, he's not like that. But it's really important to note that this is where people can struggle because of their perceptions of what people in power look like, particularly in our culture today. Even when we talk about Jesus as King Jesus, we have to be careful to be clear about what kind of King Jesus is. And so that's why I love these next couple of verses where Paul finishes things off saying, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. The message puts it this way, and it's absolutely glorious. So spacious is Jesus, so expansive, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. This is why it's so important for us to recognise that we put Jesus first, because Jesus is the one who helps us to be able to find our place. Everything finds its proper place without crowding in Jesus. And I love that language. All of the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe get fit together and fixed together in vibrant harmonies. The picture that that conjures up for me is the image of a mosaic. You think about all these broken pieces of tile that are all shattered and all different sizes and different colours. But a mosaic is about putting them all together and fitting them together in a way that creates something that is incredibly beautiful, in some ways almost more beautiful than what the original was. That's what Jesus does for us. Takes all of our brokenness and all of the ways in which we're broken and fits us together into something that is absolutely beautiful. And all of that happens not because we get ourselves together enough, not because we're perfect, not because we make up for all the things that we mess up, but because of Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection, because of what he's done for us. Because of Jesus, you are enough. Because of Jesus, you are chosen, you're welcomed, you're included, you're forgiven. Because of Jesus, you fit. Because of Jesus, you have a role to play. Because of Jesus, you're invited to participate and partner in the work that Jesus is doing so that others can also experience this kingdom life, Jesus' way of life. So that's just five verses. It's a staggering how amazing Jesus is. And that's why I think that Jesus is core to everything that I believe and core to everything that I believe we need to focus on as a church together. We're here so that we can follow Jesus. When we think about why we're here as a church and what our whole purpose is, it's all about that, to help people to discover everything that we've just talked through and to be able to put their trust in him and to find their place with him. Discipleship to me is simply the process of taking our next steps in our walk with Jesus. It's really that simple. Discipleship is just about taking our next steps in our walk with Jesus. 
Now, very good caveat from a conversation of that cup of tea that I had with Carl this week is that Carl made a point that following Jesus is not always about being able to confidently take our next steps. Sometimes, this is where the Carl would articulate, it's actually about stumbling after Jesus rather than being able to take our next steps confidently. But whether it is that we're confidently striding forward and taking our next steps and feeling good about where we're at, or whether it is that we're kind of tripping up a little bit and weaving all over the place, there is always a next step. There's always something else for us to take. But in order for that to happen, we have to be a community that focuses on being real with each other, on being authentic and honest and vulnerable with each other so that we can have those conversations about what is going on for us. And we have to be intentional about the conversations that we have. It's not just going to magically happen. We have to intentionally think about what we want to talk about and make sure we're continuing to focus on that. We're going to talk more about those things in the next few weeks. The challenge is that following Jesus, there's always more. There's always so much more for us to discover. And that's the journey of our entire lives. There's always a next step for us to be able to take so that we can become more like Jesus, so that we can be challenged by Jesus, so that we can be inspired by Jesus, refined by Jesus, so that we can have our priorities challenged by Jesus. Sometimes we are a bit like the Colossians where we sprinkle a little bit of Jesus over our cultural norms or over some of our previous beliefs. And our challenge is about how we put Jesus first all of the time. My heart and my hope as I begin in this role is that we can continue to create a culture that focuses on and emphasises that. Where that's our norm, that's at the core of everything that we're doing. We're here to take our next steps in our walk with Jesus. So I want to give you an opportunity to reflect on what that might look like for you. And so I've got this reflection question. I'd love you to, uh, if you have got a notepad or something, to jot some thoughts down, or if you have got the Bible app, to jot something down there, or you can chat with the person next to you. But as we head into this week, does it look like to actually put that into practice? This is something that is crucial to who we are as a church, something that's crucial. We don't just learn these things. We want to apply them. So where is Jesus asking me to put him first this week? Practically speaking, is there something that you just feel like Jesus is giving you a little bit of a nudge, or a bit of a poke or a bit of a prod, a sense of just in this area of your life, maybe there's a bit more sprinkling going on rather than putting Jesus at the core? Is there one area of your life, one practical thing that you can think about as you head into this week where it would be good to just pivot and put Jesus first? I'm going to give you a couple of moments to be able to reflect about that and then we're going to pray and move into a time of communion. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so incredibly grateful for who you are. It is staggering when we stop and recognise that you are the one who comes to show us exactly what God is like. That in you we see the full representation of everything about God. We're so grateful that you came to show us what God is like. But we're also grateful that you have this unique role, that you were there at the beginning of creation, that everything was created through you, and from beginning to end, you reign as King Jesus. You have this unique perspective over everything and everyone, which means that we can trust you to be able to see things the way that you want us to be able to see them. But we also thank you that we find our place in you that you aren't just some leader who's far and distant and intimidating and scary. You are near to us, you see us, you know us, you value us. 
We thank you that you've done everything necessary for us to be able to encounter everything that was always planned for us from the beginning of creation about what it means to live lives as people who are fully surrendered to God's purposes. As we begin this new chapter, we declare again that you are King Jesus, that you are the leader of the church, you are the leader of our lives, you are the one who we follow, you are the one who we trust. And we look forward to where it is that you're going to take us in the weeks and months and years ahead. In your name we pray. Amen.